millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. It's ladies' night, and I'm feeling right. I don't know if that's the lyrics. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I've never heard that song you were just singing. I think it's a song. But you know what I have heard. What? The calls of our patrons over at (laughs) www.patreon.com. Thank you for supporting us and cheering us on. We love you. We are brought to you today by them. Thank you, guys. I think I you're the best. You're the best around. <laughs> hey, no more of that. You'll get copyright <laughs> infringements. Oh, no. You don't want to. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How is everyone out there in the land of the internet? That's... I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. Oh. Who's in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. I feel like this intro to this podcast just like perfectly. <laughs> copyright, show, copyright, yeah. copyright. Well, I mean, it no? just shows how fleeting our attention is to any one topic we're just like <laughs> talking about hey patrons hey spongebob hey other song <laughs> hey attention span yeah yeah maybe we have undiagnosed add or adhd or something i wouldn't be surprised if someone told me i had add yeah i don't know i don't think i have it i don't think you do I can't stay focused on topics very very long. Like the whole time trying to do my my story for today, I was like searching other things and I'd be like, no, mm. got to finish this. And then I'd be like, oh, hold on. Let me just look up this. And like an hour had gone by <laughs> and I'm like, oh, got to finish my thing. And then I'd be like, oh, what about? And my brain would just go elsewhere on Wait a minute. A let me go down the rabbit hole of looking up cheese making videos on YouTube. That's not a bad idea. It's a thing. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Should we do this? Should we watch some cheese making videos right now? Not right now. (laughs) No? Maybe later. Okay. We are doing a podcast. We got Swiss cheese in our groceries, didn't we? Oh, we did. Swiss cheese slices. We did a massive grocery shop today. We did. You know what? Sometimes you just got to. Your dog's just racked up $2,000 vet bill. Why don't you just go spend $200 something on groceries? Molly didn't. Do too well the other day. Oh my god! <laughs> poor, we giggle, but it, like we were actually very stressed. Her poor little heart is not ticking as well as it once did. Yeah, we um. So we went to the beach on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I need to stress this. It was afternoon. We got there about three o'clock. 
whole car ride there. We had the aircon blasting. We had the towels up on the windows so the hot sun wasn't coming in on them. Like, we were getting the sun and the dogs were, like, chilling mm. in the back with the aircon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were having the time of their life. Mouse was like, I just want to look out the window. And I'm like, no, you'll die from the heat. So, we went to the beach. We... They didn't walk very long on, like, hot ground or anything. I did my best to give them water. They refused to drink in public because they're, you know, royalty. Of course. Molly had a little bit of a swim. Mousy had a bit of a swim. Yeah. Made some new friends. And by that, Molly staunched a bunch of dogs. (laughs) Yeah. She, like, when she gets tired, she gets a bit grumpy like any child does. And we were all just sitting there on the towels, like, chatting, have a lovely time. By we all, I mean me and Brayden and the dogs. (laughs) And there's these two other dogs, because it's a dog beach, obviously. Um, We're playing, like, to the far right of us and Molly just all of a sudden is like no none of that and just like ran after them barking and we're like whoa but like it's it's not like a running after and like ready to play it's like a running after and telling them off like you guys fucking suck stop having fun (laughs) stop playing I'm tired don't play I have a headache leave me alone I do wonder what's going through her head when she does that I I was like dude why? They're and, not even bothering you. And Mouse is like a follow-along dog. so Yeah, he'll, he didn't even know what was going he'll on, just but he back heard her Molly up. barking. He's like, oh, shit, got to kick into action. Like, <laughs> He's ride him. or die for Molly. Oh, yeah, he loves Molly. So anyway, we probably left at about 5 o'clock. We didn't get home till about 6 because obviously we live a bit further from the beach now. Mm. And... We had our dinner. Dogs had their dinner. We were all getting ready just to, like, chill out on the bed. We put on some Ink Master on YouTube, like, totally into it right now, watching all their fails and being like, she doesn't know how to shade for shit, thinking that we could ever tattoo. Like, fuck me, dead. Yeah, his lines were, like, so jacked up. Like, fuck me. (laughs) Who are we? Anyway. And I think we kind of noticed at the same time that Molly wasn't breathing right. And I was like, oh, fuck. She have heat stroke. She was kind of doing these short, shallow breaths. Mm. And it, w- it was very scary because we were like, Molly, Molly, you all right? And she, went, she didn't really put up her head until, like, we moved towards her. Yeah. And then she'd be like, oh, what's going on? Hello? Yeah, not very responsive. Yeah, she wasn't very responsive at all. And then I was trying to count her breaths and she was just breathing so fast that I couldn't count her breaths. So, like, she, and she wasn't panting. I should, she was resting. Like, she was almost asleep breathing yeah. like that. So, we took her to the vet. We took her straight to the emergency vet, which straight up, it's $175 just to take them there. So, <laughs> that was already the start of it. And as soon as we got there, they're like, okay, we're going to take her out and just put her on oxygen, um, which I don't think they ended up doing right away. They mm. think they checked her over first, checked all of her levels first before actually putting her on oxygen. Anyway, long story short, she was in overnight, had a bunch of tests done. She had a echo done in the morning for, by the cardiology, cardiology team, mm. specialists. Um, Everyone knows how expensive pets are. If you have a pet, you know... How you know, as soon as you step your foot in the door of a vet, that's 
$2,000 gone. <laughs> it ended up being a lot cheaper than what I thought it was, honestly. Yeah, they quoted us quite a few different prices, but yeah, no, it ended up I, being a lot cheaper. I feel like priming myself in my mind for the most expensive we, amount is I the best I was seriously way to go. thinking that we were going to max out our vet pay limit and we would have to go into our savings to pay for her. Yeah. That was where my brain was. Thank God Australia has vet pay, where you can slowly pay off your vet bills. Yeah. It's very good. So So it's not too bad. They came to the conclusion, because they wanted to rule out if she'd gotten any salt water into her lungs, um, if there was anything wrong with her lungs, and then if anything had worsened with her heart murmur, which she'd been diagnosed with almost two, exactly two years ago. Yeah. Because it was... The day before your birthday in 2018. I remember that. That we had to take Molly to the vet because she had some type of gastro thing where she she wouldn't go to the toilet and she wouldn't eat or drink and she was was starting to isolate herself from the pack. And we were like, this is it. She's going to die. Because she ate Priscilla's poo. Because she ate poo. She ate cat poo. Anyways. Anyway, she hasn't learned her lesson. She She's still fine. Eats cat poo. Long st- again, another long story short, <laughs> Molly's okay. Molly's okay from that. But so she she has a heart murmur and they said that it has gotten worse mildly, like ever so slightly. But she's got the start of heart con- decongestion failure. That sounds right. She's got right. heart disease. Yeah, yeah, there we <laughs> she, go. She has heart disease, but very, very mild. She doesn't need to be on antibiotic um, medication for it yet. Um, but they want to further investigate her lungs and the palate that's in the back of her throat because that could be causing it. Mm. So we'll check into that soon. Yeah, but she's been breathing fine. I was like helicopter mum all afternoon yesterday, all evening, just double-checking her. And I'd be like, Brayden, look. See how dead asleep she is? She's so exhausted. I just look at her breathing though. Like, is, does that look okay? Like, it's calm, right? That's calm. Belinda's got a stopwatch out and she's checking out of Molly's breath. I wasn't not even joking though. I was literally, I had my stopwatch on my phone counting her breaths like every 15 minutes. And she'd be like dead asleep and she'd start doing all that really weird breathing. And I'm like, you better just be fucking dreaming. No, I'm waking her up. I'm waking her up. <laughs> But she's doing really good today. Yeah, she's all right now. So they think that maybe the little bit of swimming had triggered something. Yeah, maybe all the excitement, seeing all the other dogs. She hasn't been, I mean, isolation, you know. She hasn't been out and seeing all the dogs very much. That's it. They were really good, though. We let them off the lead to walk back to the car with us, and they stood stood by us. Molly got her photo taken because she looked like some other lady's partner's dog down in Sydney. Also named Molly. <laughs> it's a very popular dog name. I didn't name it though, so yeah. I haven't I've only named like three of my pets ever. I think I've named like one or two. Um before we move on with the rest of the podcast, I have to say that this weekend I am gonna be playing in a twenty four hour game of Dungeons and Dragons with Bob, our favourite Bob. Woo! Uh, you the only can. Bob I know. <laughs> yeah. You'll be able to find links to that on our Facebook page when this comes out. I can also put a link on the website. Whoa, there we go. If you would yeah. like me to do that, I'll make a whole different page for it. Fantastic. So that's going to be Sunday. 
Let me check the date. Sunday the 22nd of November. I will have to... 2020. 2020. 22nd November 2020. I'll have to get the actual times. Uh, Just check on the uh, Facebook page. It'll be there. It'll be there. Yeah. Uh, But tune in and donate. We're going to be raising money for the Extra Life charity, (laughs) which is awesome. Going to... Going to raise money for children's Ch- hospitals. Children. Ch- children. Children. Uh, no, it's yeah. a very good cause. Support yeah. it. Yeah. And then support us. Give um, us money too, please. I need yeah. a new laptop. Mine has ants in the screen. Like literal ants. <laughs> I've been looking up those trade and saves. You could trade in your laptop, save some money for a new one. Um, Everywhere sucks though. <laughs> They're like, no, only if your laptop's two years old. I'm like, mine's fully, like, almost six years old. Like, just give me a new laptop. I don't want to spend $2,000. Because I want a really good one so I can do more designs. Nice, babe. And and stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who's going first this week? I go first this week, Okay. I think. What are you talking about today, Melinda? I'm talking about something I saw on TikTok. And I was oh like, this God. person's just weird and crazy. And then I was like, I'm going to Google it. And I did. And it's kind of like a thing. What? And what I love it? it. I love it so much. It's kind of wholesome, but also like pretty badass of nature. It's called Moss People. Moss People? Moss People. I'm so confused. It's a type of folklore. And they're like kind of in the realm of fairies. Oh, no. Giggly time. <laughs> Anytime we talk about fairies, we start giggling. No, I think these ones are, like, so cool, though. And I really hope they're real. Do you know what? Remember when we went camping? Yes. And there was all those trees. And they were, like, kind of rounded with all, like, the leaves and literally moss growing on them. And I was like, don't those look like people to you? Um, Do you remember that? I don't remember many things. (laughs) (laughs) It was before we saw the cows. They were literally in the scenery on the campsite. Mm. No. I, I remember looking at you and going, hey, Brayden, this is going to sound weird, but don't all these trees with all the vines and the moss growing on them kind of look like people? Like when we go to bed, they're just going to move around and do their daily thing. Did I say something to it? You were like, hmm, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you're even listening to I were a paper. Here's the thing. No, I'm always listening. I have a brain injury, all right? I can't remember back two months ago. Okay. Where am I? <laughs> I'm joking. You're in another dimension. I do remember parts of that camping trip, but I don't remember the whole significant details of it. Like, Well, I remember, and now I'm convinced they are moss people. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <clears throat> the moss people, also referred to as the moss folk, wood people, wood folk, or forest folk, are a class of <laughs> class of folk. <laughs> I meant to write fairy. <laughs> um, are a class of fairy, often compared to dwarves and elves. Described in the folklore of Germany as having an intimate connection to trees and the forest. Cool. 
in German... Oh, yeah. So, there's a lot of German words in this. Oh, gosh. This can be a struggle. I edited out a lot. <laughs> or I tried to translate a lot. Yep. Um, But I think some of the words need to be used. So, I'm going to do my best. Please forgive me, all German listeners. I love you. Just look at it and say it with conviction. <laughs> and that's all you need to do. That's it. So... In German, the words <laughs> scrat and Volderskrat, I think, <laughs> are also used for a moss person. While they are commonly put into the category of elf-like beings, they are largely known for having their own habits and preferences that put them into their own category. They've been described looking similar to dwarves, being the same size as children, but also looking grey, bedraggled, hairy, and completely covered in moss all while captivating. Some have been some have even been described to be pretty, some much bigger, and even able to change shape. Claude Lecteau writes about the na- the nature of localized spirits of place and land in the tradition of household spirits, ancestral law and practices. A fable by, by Marie de France informs us that the beings called by this name are naturally unsociable and shy and detest being seen. Ooh. According to legend, the moss people would occasionally borrow items from people or ask for help, but would always compensate the owners generously, often with either good advice or bread. (laughs) Bread. When you get bread, yeah, bread. I think bread might be more than just the physical bread, the edible bread. More than the physical, so the spiritual bread. So No, I mean, like, (laughs) just goods. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. don't you laugh at my moss people? The spiritual bread. I'm like a bread. full moss people believer. Oh, yeah. Should I just say where... Can I... I'm just... Full sidebar. Fuck it. So, I was scrolling through TikTok and this lady was all like, do you see that behind me? Do you see him? I'm like, see who? <laughs> and she's like, it's a moss man or a moss person. I'm like, a moss person? What the fuck is she talking about? And then... She, like, zoomed in, and it was, like, this cool little, like, rock tree-looking thing, and it literally looked like a person. And I'm oh, like, really? oh, boss people is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and then I had a full flashback of when we went camping. I'm like, oh, my God. I, like, subconsciously knew that there are, like, woodland <laughs> Woodland <spirits>. beings. <laughs> like, I love this. I really love this concept. I really, really do. This is something that I want to wholeheartedly believe in. <laughs> Anyway, she was in the, in her TikTok. She's like, I'm I'm walking around. I'm following them, and they're following me. And they seem to be happy with me around. And um, I can see their like little trails and where they go. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm in, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. This is my story. I'm on board. Most people, they're real. You're all about this. Man. I love this. Fairies were a bit ridiculous, but moss people. <laughs> This is the shit. (laughs) This is it. This is where it's at. I can. So many European legends that speak of moss people detail, detail, (laughs) detail 
how these forest beings might emerge to assist farmers and homesteads by completing chores, healing sick animals and leaving small gifts for the landowners. Despite their primary residence being in the wild, like many Germanic spirits, there is not always an easy distinction made between house spirits that are domesticated and those that are part of the rest of the genius Loki. They are known to come and go, interacting with a homestead while still living in the wild. It is, however, easy to anger such wood spirits, either by rejecting their gifts or by giving them caraway bread, which is made out of, like, fennel, so I can totally understand that. I fucking hate fennel. Yeah, I don't like that bread. Of which they had a particular hatred. (laughs) Often being heard to utter the words, and it's it was in German, but I'm like, I'm not. Caraway bread, our death. Like, oh they God. fucking hate this bread. <laughs> Never <laughs> give most people this bread. They will kill you, literally. <laughs> they would retaliate by bringing sickness or ill fortune to both livestock and humans. Who the hell's baking bread from fennel and leaving it out for these little people? I don't understand why we keep using fennel. Let's stop. <laughs> yeah. No one needs it. I, You know what? It's always old people that come through buying fennel at work. Of course. And I just want to ask them, I'm like, are you eating this? Like, what are you doing? You're going to bake some caraway bread and right? burn I, down your house? I really want to ask them, like... Are you pissing off some moss people this <laughs> yeah, weekend? Because yeah. I do not recommend it. You making mm. enemies? You have only so long to live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your lifespan's already shortening. I wouldn't... <laughs> yeah. You old as fuck. You don't need this for you, <laughs> yourself. It gets better, though. A good way to thank them or ask for their assistance again is by leaving bowls or porridge of plates and other breads. Oh, okay. Other breads. Any other bread. <laughs> Other breads. No caraway. Um, in certain myths, the moss folk would ask humans for breast milk to feed their young or straight up just steal some human children. <laughs> but that's more motives found in changeling folklore. Oh, okay. So. Just like, hey, can we have some breast milk? Oh, hey, no. we have your firstborn son. Give me your child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, caraway bread? Uh-uh, I'm taking your baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how they're like, can I just have some breast milk? Like, that's yeah. all I want from you. Thank you. Please. I mean, <laughs> oh, if they asked that bread? nicely, mm-hmm. I'd be like, mm, maybe. Maybe. I'll squirt some out. Your Open your little... mouth. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's how it works. It is a common motive throughout Germanic law to see similar personal characteristics in dwarves, elves, and other similar creatures who primarily are said to be beings of the outer, wilder boundaries. While they can partake in the lives of humans, it is accepted with a degree of separation and caution on their own terms. There are times in certain stories where a wild being becomes more domesticated, but still, they are agree- they, there are agreed measures for making suitable offerings to them while ensuring they remain placated and not become problematic. Pretty much meaning you never see the moss people do their thing. You leave the offering, they do the thing, they leave a gift. And that's how you know it works. And that's how you know it worked. 
How many people do you reckon in history have just like fucked with someone by like taking their bread and then <laughs> and then like leaving little trinkets and stuff? I mean, that'd be rude. What if it's just been crows this entire time? Yeah, it probably is. Nah. Maybe. Let me check. Nah, look no, up. no, it's most people, Brayden. I want to look up if crows like fennel. <laughs> ew. Ew if they do. Oh, speaking of crows, hey, just listeners, do you think this is a bad omen? A crow killed itself on our fence. Like it, it just blew, uh, flew straight into the fence and died. That may be a bad omen. Is that a bad omen? Maybe. Because now I haven't seen my crow friend around, Aww. and I'm really sad if that was him. Oh, it's sad. I used to wave to him. <laughs> and it would look at you blankly. No, it would look at me, give me a nod, and then just disappear. Wow. So I'm like... Damn. I better not have been my, my old Your mate. friend. In Banked of Clittenbergs... <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. No, it's not that. It's Clint Bergs. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. No. Okay, Clint Bergs. The types of the Swedish folk legends. There is a particular chapter that focuses, focuses on making sure the types of offerings made are the best quality and performed routinely even after they have become domesticated. The domestic spirit is helpful and takes care of livestock, feeds the cows, etc. He has a favorite animal and treats the treats the badly the others and doesn't tol- sorry this is the part from a book so I'm not I'm sorry. The others and doesn't tolerate a horse of a certain color. He must have the right food and when the farmer forgets butter in his porridge, he becomes furious and kills a cow or throws out the hay in the barn. <laughs> He punishes bad behavior by burning down the house or throwing a farmhand over the roof. The noise of the farmhands disturb him, and he shows his anger by lifting a horse up to the hayloft. <laughs> That's a moss These person. These moss people sound problematic. Well, yeah, if you don't fucking put butter in the porridge, mate, and you give some caraway bread, so, you're fucked. Wait. So... Instead of just hiring, you know, a regular farmhand, you hire a moss person. You upset a farmhand, what's the worst that happened? They walk out. I don't know. They could, they could set fire to your house. I mean, unlikely <laughs> compared to this fucking moss person. Well, it is a, it is a spirit of the woods. Going so to I mean... throw your fucking cow up into the ceiling or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> You'll put your horse in the rafters. In the hayloft. <laughs> <laughs> the assistance of a domesticated spirit who has been brought into the household or homestead can be quite disruptive if not attended to in accordance with carefully minded measures. However, their presence can be a welcome help. During times of serious illness or epidemics, Holzfrolin Frolin Holzfrolin or wood ladies, were said to emerge from the woods and forested areas. These ladies would show the people how to prepare and use certain herbs and plants in order to alleviate symptoms and cure sickness. But they are also able to create the plagues. Oh. So I reckon someone 
Someone really pissed off a moss person at the start of 2020. You reckon that's what's been happening? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Who's been breaking that bread? Who the fuck pissed off a moss... Who pissed off a wood lady? Yeah. Like... Anyway. So... Moss people were often, but not always, the object of the wild hunt. Wild hunts typically involve a soul-raving chase led by a mythological figure escorted by a ghostly or supernatural group of hunters passing in wild pursuit. According to folklore, in order to escape the hunt, they enter the trees that woodsmen have marked with a cross that will be chopped down. The moss people are similar to hamadryads. Yeah, I know that word, dryad. Yeah, I do that one. <laughs> Their lives are attached to the trees. If any causes by friction the inner bark to loosen, if oh sorry, if any one causes by friction the inner bark to loosen, a wood a wood woman dies. Oh, yeah, that's sad. According to Jacob Grimm, a German folklorist in the eighteen hundreds, he said between Leidhaken and Durenheim in the Votorau stands the high mountain and on it a stone, the wild woman's chairs. There is an impression on the rock as of the limbs of human sitters. The people say the wild folk lived there. Where this cat noch melvon? Nice. I don't know what that means. It was just in it. <laughs> I think it may have something to do with while the stones were still soft. Okay. Um, afterwards, being persecuted, the man ran away. The wife and child remain in custody at Durenheim until they died. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> but I was like... Well, according to Jacob Grimm, this weird passage. So I think it means that people came across. I, no, don't laugh. This is really good. They came across a a stone chair, right? That looks like people have been sitting in it for years and years. When or or had sat in it when the stone itself was still soft and forming. So it formed to their grooves. Ah, I see. And then they they ran away from it because it was scary. Okay. That's what I got from that. Anyway. So the female moss people, Miss Frauens, thank you, moss ladies, have a queen called... I said this so well earlier. Bushcross Mutter. Which means shrub grandmother. Oh, shrub grandmother. Shrub grandmother. Ludwig Beckstein, also a German folklorist, describes her in his folktale. According to certain tales of the peasantry, a demonic creature dwells near Lutenberg and on the left bank of River Seil, called the Buschgrossmutter, she has many daughters called Musfraulens, with whom she roves, roves around the country at certain times and upon certain holy nights. 
It is not good to meet her, for she has wild, staring eyes and crazy, unkept hair. Often, she drives around in a little cart or wagon, and at such times, it is wise to stay out of her way. Children, in particular, are afraid of the putzmommel, which means hooded female bogey. And delight in whispering tales of her to frighten each other. She's essentially the same spirit as Holda or Bertha, the wild huntress, to whom local tales ascribe a following of children under the guise of the Heimken, who constitute her attendants in the area she frequents. So while the bush grandmother sounds fun, scrub grandmother, whatever. She's actually horrible. She's horrible. I think the women of the moss people are horrible. The men are probably the ones that are helping out the more. The more, the most. I mean, they're still pretty shitty at the end of the day. If you don't, if you don't feed them well, you're done. Well, Brayden, think of it. Think of it, you've put in all this hard work and your boss is like, I'm not going to pay you this week. Wouldn't you set his house on fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fucking would. Fair enough. Or if, I'd burn coals down. Or if, like, you know, you're expecting your paycheck and instead of getting paid in, like, the currency that you want, you get paid in, like... Lollipops. <laughs> I mean, that's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get paid in fennel. Like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah, okay. Fair enough. Right? Yeah, I understand. But look, I think most people, we need to get on board. <laughs> they could cure the pandemic to start off with. And they just seem like really cool people. Everyone start baking your regular bread for them. Regular bread. No gluten-free. None of that shit. Sorry, babe. Leave it in the <laughs> woods. Leave it in the woods. Get your offerings on. <laughs> I think we need to believe in more wholesome things like that. Yeah, it's nice. They might burn your house down and throw your horse up in the haystocks, but it's, a chance, it's just a risk you got to take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to look up, see if we've got any new reviews. No. We don't? Okay, so I am going to be chatting about something that we have... I mean, it, we haven't discussed this thing itself before, but we've actually started this whole podcast chatting about something very similar to what I'm going to be talking about. Ooh. If you remember back to the first ever episode, we discussed The Exorcist mm-hmm. and the curse surrounding the movie and the filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, today, after 80 episodes, this is the 80th episode. Mm-hmm. I am going to be discussing what occurred in the uh, what occurred to the cast and crew of the 1976 classic movie The Omen. Ooh. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie or know of its premise, this is a spoiler, so skip ahead like a minute. Lol, spoiler alert for a movie in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, basically, a couple adopt the Antichrist <laughs> and wonder why they and everyone else around them is experiencing such mysterious events and tragedies. And that's pretty much what occurs on the film set from then on. They so, remade The Omen as well, yeah, didn't they? they yeah, they did. I looked it up to see if there were any mysteries or tragedies around that, and there weren't no. as many. 
as many? Oh, there weren't really any. <laughs> any that were publicized, let's say. Okay. So, in spite of all the crazy things that occurred on set, which I will tell you about in a second, the movie went on to be nominated for a boatload of awards and walked away with four of them. The movie only had a budget of around $2.3 million, but ended up walking away with $46 million of worldwide earnings, which I believe put it at number six in the earnings of movies, uh, the sixth highest grossing movie in 1976. So, I mean, it wasn't like the biggest hit, but it was still a pretty significant uh, income. In spite of how messed up the Exorcist set was, Apparently, according to the cast and crew and people who have heard the tales and whatnot, the set of The Omen is labelled the most haunted, cursed movie set of all time. You're joking. Yeah. So the man who wrote the script for The Omen, Robert Munger, or Munger, let's <laughs> say Munger. So the man who wrote the script for The Omen, Robert Munger, sold the rights to the movie, and made his little idea a reality. After selling the movie, he began to have second ideas about it. He said that he had mentioned this to film producer Harvey Bernard. If you make this movie, you're going to have problems. If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible, and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people... He's not going to want that to happen. And this was in response um, in response to that warning. Harvey ended up wearing a cross around his neck for the entire of the filming of the movie. So, everything started going downhill. Especially for one of the lead actors uh, who was on the in the movie. Gregory Peck who played the Antichrist's father, uh, Robert Thorne is the name of the character in the movie, experienced a horrifying, experienced a horrific personal loss two months before filming had even begun. His 30-year-old son unfortunately took his own life. Oh, that's terrible. But in spite of this horrible tragedy, Gregory continued with the filming and went on. Then there were three scary coincidences on three different planes while approaching the filming of the movie. Mm. Once again, our friend Gregory Peck was involved, along with two others, Mace Newfield and Gregory Seltzer. Each had their planes struck by lightning on the way to the movie. Mace's and Gregory's planes didn't sustain much damage whatsoever from the lightning strikes, but the strike that hit Gregory's aircraft caused the plane's engine to catch fire, which nearly result, resulted in the plane having to crash land into the Atlantic Ocean. Continuing the awful aviation aspect of this curse, the crew had hired out a light aircraft to take some aerial shots for use in the movie. Unfortunately... The crew had to bail out last minute. I guess the general rumor is that the people who actually ended up going on the aircraft just offered the company a lot more money, so they were booted off and didn't end up filming, which was a good thing in the end for, well, at least for the people in the crew, because that plane crashed during their flight, 
immediately after takeoff after they ran into a pack of birds and killed everyone on board. Holy shit. Yeah, so they like narrowly avoided complete death. Uh, Mace Neufeld once again copped the brunt of the curse or sort of a coincidental run-in with the IRA, I suppose, which is the um, Irish Republican Army. When Mace and his wife were staying in the Hilton Hotel in London, the IRA actually blew up the building. (laughs) But (laughs) thankfully for the pair, they weren't in the building at the time. But uh, just a few days later, actually, Gregory Peck, Newfield, and a couple of other members of the cast and crew were heading to a cafe, and the cafe was bombed by the IRA. Everywhere they're going, they're having just tragedy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Even the stunt people acting on the movie had it tough. I mean, being a stunt person in Hollywood is tough enough as it is, you know, all the shit you have to end up doing. But add in a devilish curse, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, that's another ball game entirely. One of the stuntmen handling a scene with rot wheelers had the trained dogs entirely disregard all instruction from their trainers and continue to tear through the protective clothing and cause him injury. He managed to get away without receiving anything too major. Another stunt person, a few a few members of this cast and crew actually went on to film another movie after this called A Bridge Too Far. And one of the stunt people working on that that also worked on The Omen had to leap from a high building onto an airbag, um, a stunt regularly done by stunt people and not something that would usually go sort of go wrong because they've done it so many times. Well, apparently this stunt person fell awkwardly on the airbag and ended up landing partly on the ground. When they regained consciousness... They told of a supernatural force having actually pushed them and that they didn't even jump. Hence the poor, poorly done fall. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, There was a trainer as well who worked on the movie who was responsible for a baboon attack scene in The Omen. Um, This trainer had his mother die during filming and then went on to be mauled to death by a tiger in one of the next movies he worked on. The fuck? That, what the fuck, though? Mm. I think I've read that the person, the trainer had his head, like, crushed by the tiger's jaws or something like that. Holy like, super shit. gruesome. Yeah. Um, oh, and this is the sort of final one. There was this gruesome scene in The Omen where this, like, out-of-control truck reverses back and a pane of glass, like, slides off the side and decapitates someone. Uh-huh. Um, well, the person who worked on that that shot specifically, yeah. the special effects designer John Richardson and his wife Liz Moore, um, ended up getting into a head-on collision after the movie and John managed to survive, but Liz ended up meeting an early end to her life when she was decapitated in the crash. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. So it's just like coincidence after coincidence and horrifying tragedy after horrifying tragedy on this this movie set and the people who continued on with their life. I mean, 
it could and probably is all coincidence, but I mean, the fact that there's so many instances of bad luck surrounding one particular movie is just, like, horrific. I don't know why the people came back in 2006 and were like, yeah, this is a good idea, let's do this movie again. Oh, my God. Luckily for them, no one ended up, you know, having as much tragedy as what they had in the original 1976 film. That's all I have for the thing, babe. That's all you've got? There's nothing else? Yep. That's what I'm saying. I love, I love movie sets that are haunted. Yeah. I really want to talk about I mean, that. It's, it's probably not good for the people being haunted. I love the stories of it. Oh, yeah. It's good for our podcast to talk about. I've... I've been thinking of chatting about that one play that you're not meant to mention the name of. M A C B E T H. Oh, Macbeth. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> what have you done? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that's got a whole lot of uh, cursed vibes going on with it too. Oh, so. like let's talk about it. Yeah, I'll talk about it another time. Let's but do now- a whole episode on it. We'll we'll come back and see just how cursed it is by saying Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Uh, for now, though, that's all we have. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can find all of our links and everything you'll ever need over at youmeanapoltergeist.com. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, silly. She's very vocal lately. You tell them. Uh, anything else you need to tell them? Uh, if you leave a shit review, I will hunt you down on Instagram. Okay. All right. Uh, without <laughs> further ado, thank you for listening and don't forget, exercise regularly. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.